A scripture lesson for this morning's message is from the Gospel according to Luke. I'll be reading from the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 26 down through verse 37. Jesus and his disciples sailed to the Gerasenes land, which is across the lake from Galilee. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, a certain man met him. The man was from the city and was possessed by demons. For a long time he had lived among the tombs, naked and homeless. And when he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down before him. And then he shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. He said this because Jesus had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken possession of him, so he would be bound with leg irons and chains and placed under guard. But he would break his restraints, and the demon would force him into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had entered him, and they pleaded with him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, and the demons left the man and entered the pigs. The herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. And when those who tended the pigs saw what had happened, they, they ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone. And he was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully dressed and completely sane. And they were filled with awe. Those people who had actually seen what had happened told them how the demon-possessed man had been delivered. And then everyone gathered from the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave their area because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and returned across the lake. Here ends this reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. It seems that no one can truly estimate the wrath of a storm. It doesn't seem to matter whether you're Al Roker or Willard Scott, or even an Oklahoma weather person, no matter how sparkly your sequin tie or clothing might be when on the air a storm is approaching, no one seems to get the weather right all the time. It seems like Jesus was having a bad weather guessing day himself, for we find Jesus on the shore after crossing the Sea of Galilee where some caught fish, but where Jesus netted some disciples for himself. But you, as you may recall, <clears throat> this trip with his wary disciples was not smooth sailing at all. And as it turned out, the raging sea wasn't the only bad weather that Jesus commanded that day. We just read uh, what happened when Jesus landed on the east side, the calm side, if you're doing the homework of the lake in the Gospel of Luke. What if this man's mother, this man possessed by demons, what if this man's mother had been a good, loving, nurturing mother? The kind who might have held him and gazed at him in wonder as she nursed him when he was a brand new baby. He would have seemed perfect to her. 
Or maybe this man had a dad, who knows, who would have been had wrestling matches that ended with tickling sessions and finally, you know, laughter filling the air. We don't really know this man's story. Did he ever get to have a first kiss or lay on his back in the middle of a quiet field, counting the stars, gazing up at the sky? Where did things go wrong at his life? At what point did things fall apart? Did someone do something evil to him that hurt him? Was he neglected? Was he abused? Was he locked in a cage? Something terrible must have happened. He was a little bit off. But when did it happen? Did he ever get married? I wonder if maybe his spouse left him, kids and all. Who knows? I, I couldn't blame her if he'd turned into this kind of a, a person. Who knows? With all of these problems, it could have been a challenge for even the most loving family member to stick with somebody like this. People must have had questions about this man. How long has he been up there at the graveyard howling at the moon, naked like a wild animal? I don't know, but long enough for his clothes to have worn off, somebody probably answered. I heard he got rid of the demons that were tormenting him. Oh no, I hope they find him. He's dangerous. People of the first century they had no way to know about mental illness. They didn't have any medical or psychological tools to help them diagnose when a person was mentally ill or need in need of serious help. And so everything, you see, health-wise, that they couldn't explain in the times of the scriptures were normally just diagnosed as demons. It was demons, all of it. They couldn't explain it. They just knew it was harmful. They knew it was frightening. And it was demons. And so naked as a jaybird, as filthy as a pig, as crazy as a loon, you know, use all these pithy phrases, the guy lost his marbles. I guess the thing is, as long as we can talk about this man's demons, we don't have to face our own, do we? The people around town, they'd gone to great lengths to help this man stay away from them. He had caused problems, probably lots of problems, and so they sent him away. They banned him from town. They cut him out of their lives, and I'm sure most tried to pretend after a while that the man didn't exist. But after a while, people may not have laid eyes on him for months or even years, and I'm sure they began to wonder, those that lived nearby that had seen him before, was this man even alive anymore? Was he a dead man walking or was this guy a living ghost? I mean, he lives near the tombs and yet no one can keep him restrained and he won't shut up and he howls. In Mark's version of the story, the narrator says the man howls day and night. Mark's gospel makes mention of the same story that the man beats himself up with stones I wonder, does he do this kind of thing because he's tormented? Or does he do it because he just wants to feel like he can control at least something in his life? It seems this man is beyond salvaging. Demons. They didn't know what else to call it. It was demons. And of course, the truth is we all have some. 
But we go to great lengths to avoid them, not to talk about them, to silence them, and to control them. And we try and we escape them to our best of our ability, sometimes successfully and other times, well, not so successfully. And we all have these voices. We all have these feelings. We all have these out-of-control thoughts or habits. You know, those delicate parts of our minds or our memories or our bodies that we once thought we had complete 100% mastery and control over. But the truth is, if we're really really honest. Everyone is fighting their own battle at any given point in our lives, which it seems Jesus was well aware of, and probably it's why Jesus made this trip to this spiritually unclean, Roman-occupied, Gentile-operated town full of pig herders in the first place. Do you see how outrageous that would have been for a Jewish rabbi? So Jesus had a very important point to make. No person is so unclean that they are beyond God's reach. No one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond hope. But if we're honest, we really don't like to hear that kind of talk because, you know, as long as this grimy, crazy, homeless guy is out of sight, we can all keep pretending that we have our own lives together perfectly. Oh, let's talk about this guy over here, the obvious nut. You know, let's shame this guy. Let's blame this person. Let's try and fix this project. Let's keep him out of sight and out of mind when it suits us or bring him back so that we can feel good about having tried visibly to help him so that we can sleep at night. But back at home, it could be different things for each of us. For some of us, one glass takes the edge off our problems, the second glass helps us unwind, and the third glass brings on the numbness that we so crave. Oh, it might be Netflix that does this. It might be YouTube for others of us. It might be a smoke or a puff of this or that. Doesn't it all basically work the same? We all have our demons. We can weep for days if we let ourselves. Sometimes we can feel the panic or the anxiety attacks coming on without much warning at all. Our loneliness or our fear or our grief, it can feel a lot like we're living up at the graveyard in our worst moments. But there are times that it may feel impossible to escape or to control the waves of emotions that rush over us. And so we try to escape or we try to control other things. And well, some of us, we gorge ourselves with food while others nearly stop eating. Some people feel drained even of the energy to move while other people exercise compulsively or maybe even too much. Some people might play video games too much or sit in a stupor too long. When all else fails, we blame our families. Maybe our kids did this to us. Maybe our spouse did this to us. Maybe our parents did this to us. And certainly there are contributions to be made because we're, no person is an island. But the truth is none of us really want to face our own demons. 
The man in this story, it seems, has, has nothing else left to lose and no place left to go. And his demons leave him no choice but to try to break free from the torment and flee into the desert, all in hopes that he could outrun his troubles or his demons. And he was smart or, or strong enough to deal with the torment. And, and he was certainly used to living in isolation. But no one can face down their demons all by themselves. Not a single one of us can face down our demons all alone. So this time the man finds Jesus and this time's going to be different. He had determined this and he throws himself to the ground as if someplace deep within him, maybe buried within his soul, is whispering a faint whisper of hope and it allowed him to shred himself, you know, uh, down to the core and to take a look into his own heart at this particular point in his journey. And I, I wonder, I wonder what it would take for some of us to admit that we need to do some soul searching. Jesus asks the man's name, but the demons do the talking. Legion, they announce with evil delight. Legion is our name. Oh, there's no way this man's mama named him Legion, I'm just saying. It would be like a parent standing right here at the baptismal font with a precious infant and, and me asking them, now what baptized, what Christian name do you want to give your child? And it would be like the parent answering, depression, addiction. Oh, I want to name that sweet little baby anorexia. The demons are the ones doing the talking because by this point in the man's life, uh, they call most of the shots. Friends, did you know that overdose and addiction is the number one cause of death in Americans under the age of 50? Did you know that? We don't talk about it. But about 15% of the people in this room will likely develop at some point in our lives substance abuse addiction and you know those little tiny vaping e-cigarette deals? I don't even know what you call it all. Jewel, I guess, that holds the equivalent of 20 cigarettes worth of nicotine in each dose. 37% of high school seniors and over 10% of 8th graders vape and are hooked. And did you know that over half of us have a close relative suffering from chemical dependency or addiction or abuse? And did you know that one in five adults has a prescription for opioids and almost 70% of all drug-related deaths involve these opioids? 70%. Jesus might have come seeking this man because he was motivated by compassion towards an individual person. That is who Jesus was, it seems. But if we look closely, the miracles of Jesus, they always seem to have a purpose that's even bigger than what we notice at first glance. It's even wider than just the one being healed. Jesus represents something much bigger than just Jesus, even in this story, if it's that possible. Jesus represents hope itself. And here's the thing, I guess, I need to tell you because I love you. No matter how incredibly dark, no matter how incredibly hopeless your situation may seem, you may give up on hope, but hope never will give up on you. Hope 
comes along with the promise that things do not have to remain as they have been. Hope comes along and says, there is good news for the naked crazy guy, but perhaps we should consider what hope looks like for us who are only naked and crazy part of the time. Well, we're from the west side of the lake, we think, if we put this story in context. You know what that means. Well, it means, you know, we know more stuff than this weird guy from the east side of the lake probably knew. I mean, maybe some of our relatives were on the boat when Jesus calmed the storm. I mean, you know, we were raised there listening to these stories about Jesus. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe we knew somebody who witnessed Jesus turning out enough bread to feed the 5,000, so we don't have those same kind of you know, doubts and struggles and problems. I mean, you know, we certainly know more stories about Jesus and we had a good solid church upbringing and you know on and on and on we build our resume trying to convince really ourselves okay so we're not quite as rough as the guy in the story but here's the thing 50% of us either have or will suffer mental illness and fewer than half of us will ever get treatment for it and only 10% of those with an addiction will ever go to get any kind of treatment for one reason or another. So here's what we need to see in the story. Asking for help is not a weakness. Asking for help when you are struggling with a dark night of the soul is a sign of true strength. It's a sign the light is getting through. And so people in the town, they, they begged Jesus to, to leave town. You know, they, they, he restored the, this man and, you know, who, who pleaded for it. But Jesus is, you know, the man's instructed to stay and share his story. But Jesus has run out of town because this kind of change, this kind of movement in a person's life, it's unsettling because, I mean, if all this is going on and this guy can have all these changes, what might be in store for me? Do you ever feel restless and you're not able to put your finger on why? Do you ever feel tormented? Do you ever feel like things are just a bit beyond your own ability to control them when it comes to your own life, whether it's emotionally or financially or spiritually or, or who knows what? You know, if you're being completely honest, do you lean a bit too much on something or someone else in order to keep going? Do you ever find yourself trying to hide from reality because facing up to reality seems a bit scary, a bit much? You're not alone. We all experience those kinds of things. We're all just broken in different places. We're all fighting a battle that remains invisible to much of our friends, to much of our family, to our church family, to our community. But could it be that hope has come to town in your life? And could it be that hope is reminding you that you actually do have a bit of strength left, even though you may feel so defeated? Could it be that your name is being called and that it is your turn to be truly set free? Or could it be that you're being called to offer hope to someone else who desperately needs it right now, to embody that hope, to be the one who shows up on the door or on the phone and says, I'm here. And I don't know what it is that ails you, but I'm willing to stand with you. 
And in this gospel story, some of us are called to cross the sea all the way to the east side to address the demons of those who have not had access to such hope and love and to show them that they have more strength left than they thought they had. And in this gospel story, some of us, we're called to listen to that friend in our lives who is telling us it's time for a change. It's time for facing the demons. For dear ones, there is nothing any of us can ever do. There is no place any of us could ever go. There is no tomb dark enough. There is nothing too dirty, too grimy, too crazy, nor demon too powerful to ever separate us from the love of God and from wholeness and from healing. It's available. Hope comes knocking. And when the call comes, will we be the ones who are brave enough to accept it, to welcome it, to converse with hope and to see that there is in fact a better way, even though we may have been battling, or will we be the one to go knocking? at someone else's door and to offer hope and healing and say it's time to face things head on enough running enough pretending enough hiding it's time together to face our demons amen